what up what up welcome to episode number 27 of the spun today podcast i'm your host tony ortiz thank you very much for listening and it is finally here the lecture hall audiobook that i promised you guys like two or three episodes ago uh the actual short story has been available for you guys to read i'm not sure if you have yet at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories forward slash lecture hall and just like all the other short stories i like to release a audiobook an audiobook version of that short story and i very loosely use the term audiobook because it's nothing professional at all i try to make it you know i read it myself i I edit it um it's not like uh, the rest of my podcasts which are unedited and you know i add sounds in it just to add a little a little color to the stories and to the experience and hopefully you guys enjoy it and if not then i don't know what to tell you don't listen to them um right now i might sound a little bit out of it because i haven't had my coffee yet and it's like seven o'clock in the morning on a tuesday Tuesday, August 11th, 2015, and I uh, I took off Monday and Tuesday from work uh, just to just to break the routine, break the monotony, and we should definitely all do stuff like that every once in a while. I uh, went to the beach with my boy Pablo yesterday. Shout out to him. Had a really good time. Went to uh, Coney Island in Brooklyn. And there was surprisingly a lot of people there. Uh, I guess thinking exactly the same way that we were. Um, but had a good time nonetheless. We try to do that like once a year. Um, and it's pretty dope. You guys should definitely stop and look around every once in a while. Like Ferris Bueller says. And enjoy shit, you know. Just can't continue doing the same thing over and over again. Fucking go crazy. And what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I had been wanting to record. Like, I, I did the the audiobook and edited it and finished it on, I want to say, Friday night or Saturday. And I've been meaning to uh, record, like, the intro and outro and put everything together since, like, Sunday. And uh, Sunday, something came, came up. And then Monday, yesterday, after the beach, I was just fucking drained. You know, it you get completely drained like with the sun and and just like drinking and chilling and just fucking tired and out of it so i didn't do shit yesterday and today i have a eye doctor ophthalmologist appointment like my yearly checkup thing at nine o'clock so i want to get this out of the way now uh the intro and outro so then when i come back i can begin putting everything together and you know polishing it up for you guys to have it on time by Thursday. Uploading it to Lipson and doing all that jazz. Uh, and on YouTube, too. Um, which, by the way, I did for the first time, which was really fun. And I liked it a lot. The um, Not sure if you guys saw it. I put it, I released it as a, like one of the bonus episodes uh, kind of thing. Like in between the bi-weekly schedule that we have here at the Spun Today podcast. And also on YouTube, the YouTube one came out dope because the uh, the one I released like on iTunes and Stitcher is is 
is just the audio but you get more out of it if you see like the actual youtube clip i did like a promo like a like a little theatrical trailer kind of thing for this lecture hall short story and i liked it it came out it came out cool it was fun to do it i thought it was funny and came out decent in my opinion obviously i'm biased but and uh i got the so if you guys want to check that out I, i've tweeted it uh check out my twitter feed at spun today or just go to spuntoday.com click on my the youtube link all the way at the bottom of the page and it'll take you to youtube and it's the most recent uh, video that i've uploaded well if you're listening to this the quote-unquote video uh, for this episode is going to be posted on youtube as well so it's the one right before it's like a minute and a half long um you guys can check it out there or just look at episode 26.5 i called it um which is in your itunes and and uh stitcher feed which is the one right before this one and like i said it was fun to do i liked it i enjoyed it and i thought it was funny um i got the idea from and like another promo like type of thing that I stumbled upon on on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. It was for Grace and Gray, uh, a Grace and Gray series. It's called. It's like this uh, three book series of this little kid, little American kid that fights terrorism. And it was it was like funny because it's like a nine year old fighting terrorism and stuff, and he's like in the in the middle of like a war kind of thing, and like at his camp. And, but just how they did it, like with the, like a legit, you know, trailer, like coming attraction type of thing that you'd see at the movies, which I, I love seeing those like trailers and shit. Um, like with the background music, the the suspense, uh, like music in the background and stuff like that, and sound effects and and all that jazz. So it was it was pretty. It's pretty interesting to me. I got the idea from that, um, jotted it down, and then uh, came around to finally doing it for this audiobook. And I'm probably going to do it with the other ones, too. I had fun doing it. It's uh, it's something, I don't know, another method of fucking promoting it a little bit in like a fun way, which I thought was pretty dope. So uh, check that out. Also, guys, if you haven't already, appreciate it and let me know what you think right in the youtube comments or you know when you guys go to rate and review this podcast on itunes and or stitcher you can tell me what you thought of that uh, promo there as well and by the way off topic did you guys see ufc 190 uh ronda rousey's last last uh ufc how sick is that chick she she's so fucking dominant in her in her division her fucking sport period she beat um what's her name something korea uh veg korea i forgot to pronounce her her first name the brazilian chick that looks like a dude um in 34 seconds just like fucking demolished her like ran through her um, and standing up too, 
which was which was supposed to be Correa's like strong suit. So she beat her at home, at her home, the Brazilian's home in Brazil, at her game, and in 34 seconds, just like caught her with some ill combinations, and to the point that Vetchkara uh, just face planted on the map, pop, just knocked out. Then walked away from her and said, "Don't cry." <laughs> How gangster is that? And for those of you that didn't see it, sorry, spoiler alert. Um, but for those of you that don't have like the background to it, it was uh, Ronda Rousey's like completely dominant. Dominates like everyone in her fights. They they compared to being like the Mike Tyson of of the UFC. Uh, her last fight, she won in 14 seconds. Um, I think every other fight except one with Misha Tate, she won in the first round. Nine out of ten of them were, like, foot by armbar, by, like, the same move that she's, like, dope at, the submission move. Um, and, and she's just a beast, like a, like a phenom. Like, you're watching, like, history in the making when you're watching her. And especially for such a, a young sport like UFC. Um... She, what was I going to say? Uh, that, uh, she took this one, like, super personal. I saw, like, a few of, like, her interviews and and um, those, uh, like, 24-7s that the UFC does that they put on YouTube. Uh, they call it Embedded. And it's pretty dope because it's, like, 7 to 15-minute clips. Um, and they do, like, four or five of them. And, you know, they follow around the fighter and, like, shit like that, show their interviews behind the scenes. And I saw an ESPN interview that she did, um, Ronda Rousey, and she explained how, like, this fight was, like, uh, Vetch Korea made it a lot more personal, because she, and Ronda Rousey wound up, like, crying, like, on the, on the interview, like, tearing, tearing up and shit, which is why she told Vetch Korea, like, at the end, after she knocked her out, she said, don't cry. Because Veg Korea told her that, like at the weigh-ins or something like that, and she was referring to that interview where Ronda Rousey started crying and tearing up because she, which I didn't know, her father committed suicide, and Veg Korea was like poking fun at it and like speaking about it, they talking shit basically, getting like in her head about uh, her father committing suicide. Uh, which is pretty cold, but all is fair and love and war, right? Um, either way, that shit backfired like a motherfucker. And Ronda Rousey was saying that she, on purpose, wasn't going to beat her up quickly because she just wanted her to, to she wanted to embarrass her and like string it along and 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 just make her suffer uh, for what she said. And she. Her mother, Ronda Rousey's mother, which is, like, her, her, like, growing up, it was, like, her mentor, and she used to, like, bust in her room in the middle of the night and, and put her in an arm bar and make her get out and, and just, like, one of those sick Joe Jackson-type fucking parents, but in the realm of fighting. <laughs> and she, she was an Olympian uh, judo uh, practitioner, and... Um, Ronda Rousey like idolizes her. She's always like in her corner. It's like when her coaches and and everything. So she 
she was flipping around the saying saying that she's not going to do that she's going to go in there and beat her ass as fast as possible because every second that she doesn't do that she's giving her that much more of an opportunity to like catch her with like a cheap shot or or just catch her period you know what i mean so she she was telling her not to do that ronda rousey was saying that she was going to do that um but once you got into the octagon it was like just like lights went out in 34 seconds for veg Correa. so he just went at her it was just like relentless like focused and it's, it's pretty dope to see man i like watching watching exceptional shit like that and speaking of exceptional shit stay tuned for the lecture hall audiobook coming soon in a few minutes <laughs> uh what else did i want to speak to you guys about um fuck i want coffee some bustelo right now hit the spot um what's i gonna say oh i've been listening to a couple new podcasts lately which i wanted to shout out real quick if any of you are fans of the Sponsor Day podcast, you know that I broke down like every podcast I listened to, like the dozens of them. Uh, in my very first episode, actually, of the Sponsor Day podcast, I think I called it um, IntroCast. And I spoke about a bunch of different podcasts that I, I listened to. And lately, I've been. There's so many that. um. Uh, I always have like content to listen to, um, but lately I've been adding new ones, like even more now. Modine. Um but there's just like so much good shit out there. There's good content out there, and like listening to them. So a couple of the new ones are. Uh, the Tim Ferriss Show which uh, i mentioned before on the podcast and tim ferris has been a a guest on the joe rogan experience on on uh the drunken taoist and the brian callen show and i've heard a lot about him before i just never listened to his particular podcast and lately i've been listening to it it's really dope check it out uh i am Rappaport. he's a, a, a cool dude he's a funny guy he is an actor that's been in everything um he's been like in mad shit he was in in the movie the heat uh with sandra bullock he was the brother of of uh what's her name melissa mccarthy i think her name is um uh the other the cop sandra bullock was the fbi agent she was like the local cop her brother the one that got in trouble with like the drug dealers and shit that's um michael rapaport and he was in he was in friends he was uh phoebe's boyfriend the cop he played a cop on there that was phoebe's boyfriend um he's like that that white dude with like the blonde curly hair i think i see him you're like oh yeah him like a thousand percent you know who it is um but he has his own podcast and i don't know he was like that character that he normally plays like with that accent he just seems like straight brooklyn like straight new york um that's like really him (laughs) like he's not a character that's how he really is like i heard him on bill burr's podcast i heard him on uh joseph essie's podcast which is the next one that i was about to mention and and that's him that's how he is he's funny as fuck um what else 
Actually, no, I don't think he was on Joe Silvestri's podcast. I think he was on the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray, which is really funny also, which actually is a nice segue. Adam Ray was on, was also in the heat. He was like the uh, drug dealer dude that Sandra Bullock was trying to seduce and she put like a like a tracker on his phone. Uh, he's a stand-up comic. And Brad Williams is also a stand-up comic. I heard him on, if I'm not mistaken, Good Times with uh, Steve Simone, which is one of my favorite podcasts. And uh, they do that podcast together, which I've heard a few episodes of, which was pretty good. And I enjoyed it. Uh, what else? I've been listening to The Callback with Joseph Vesey. Uh, he, I heard him for the first time. He's a stand-up comic also. He used to be a... Uh, street ball player, a uh, basketball player, like those professional street ball uh, player dudes, which I've always been fascinated with, like the N1 and, you know, Rucker Park and like stuff like that. Like I've always seen like clips and shit online, uh, videos and stuff like that. He was like into that world uh, before getting into stand up about two or three years ago. And I heard him on Ari Shafir's podcast. And uh, he mentioned that he has his own podcast. It seemed like a cool dude. And he also put me on to uh, put the listeners on uh, while he was on Ari Shavir's podcast to a dope documentary, <clears throat> which I'll actually I'll link it in the episode notes. Let me jot it right now. Link. Jot it down right now. Uh, it's called Blackout. It's a dope documentary about Rucker Park, about the history of it, about streetball, and about this sick story of a like the most epic basketball street uh, street basketball game that never happened. And it was like super anticipated. Like the, these people had crowds of like twenty thousand people at like one point. Um, Bill Clinton used to go to to Rucker Park games. Um, mad NBA players used to go, including my favorite, Kobe Bryant. Um, Carmelo, a lot of players used to go to play in it. Um, and some NBA players were like quoted and saying, you know, you're not a, you're not a true ball until like you go play at Rucker Park. Um, who else? David Stern, the commissioner, he used to go to games, um, like stars, celebrities, like shit like that. And um fat joe is one that owns a team at rucker and he coaches it and he's like mad into it and always has been uh supposedly for a long time and uh then other stars like uh jay-z which is one of my favorite rappers um uh wanted to do the same thing but he was he was kind of not like about it he was kind of doing it like as a like promotional stunt kind of thing it seemed like um, at least the way they 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 uh, couched the um, uh, the blackout uh, uh, documentary, and uh, it was just interesting seeing like all, you know all those different worlds and and stuff collide and revolve around uh, just street basketball. Um, it was really cool. So it's called Blackout. It's on YouTube for free, and I'll link the the. Uh, I'll link it in the episode notes. But yeah, that guy, uh, Joseph Essie, he's funny. Um, he put us onto it. 
Well, he was on Ari Shafir's podcast, and since I've been listening to a bunch of his podcasts, he's had Chris Rock on it, Aziz Ansari. Uh, he's had Fat Joe on it in a in a dope two part interview that I listened to recently, um, where they get into some of that stuff, um, and it's pretty dope. Definitely check it out. Fitz Dog Radio is another one that I listen to. Uh, it's uh, comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. He's been on all the podcasts, Adam Carolla's, Joe Rogan's. Um, he's a funny dude. Uh, I like hearing him as a guest uh, on those episodes, on those um, uh, podcasts. So decided to check out his, and it's pretty dope. Also, uh, what do I have? I have uh, two more. I mentioned about last night with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Uh, I've also been listening to EMA Radio. It's a hip-hop podcast. Uh, excuse my ad-lib is what the, the acronym stands for. And it's a pretty dope podcast. It uh, goes into hip-hop and breaking down lyrics and albums. And and um, they have uh, like these uh, little, I guess you call it like game shows where like a listener will call in and they'll play some old school hip-hop or R&B clip. And you have to um, not spit, but you have to like say like the next bar in in the sequence, uh, which is pretty cool. And they give out they give out like uh like gifts and stuff like that, and they get into, um, not like in a TMZ way, like in a corny way, but they get into, uh, like different like beefs and 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 I don't know I guess like scandals or whatever you can call it, uh, like right like they've mentioned, uh, the Meek Mill and and Drake beef that's going on right now. Um, like shit like that. It's pretty cool. I like it. That one's EMA Radio. Shout out to them. Um, and which speaking about uh, Meek Mill and Drake, how garbage was Meek Mill's response to Drake's response to Meek Mill bitching out on Twitter? Uh, my brother put me onto it. I had only heard the the Drake track that he did with Daylight the battle rapper um which was pretty cool i like that one um then my brother put me on to the the other two like more commercial uh, responses uh back to back which was a tough tune according to charlemagne and it really was it was pretty dope uh the one before that i forgot what it's called but um wasn't as good the and then meek mills was just like garbage trash it was was like really like that was trying (laughs) like what the fuck is going on there um it's like abc rhymes and that was just horrible um and something dope from the back-to-back one is that he uh drake mentions uh buying bottles for charlemagne and he did buy uh six bottles of of dp and sent it over to Power 105 Studios. And Charlemagne put out a clip um, of him with the bottles. It's on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. Saying that uh, Drake is a man of his word. And he mentioned buying him bottles. Sent them over six bottles of Don Perignon. And uh, with a little note saying, let's be friends, Aubrey. And um, it's because like Charlemagne has always said that he he doesn't like... 
he doesn't like Drake, like, because he sings and shit like that. He does that, like, R&B shit, um, which slightly, it's on a slight tangent, like, when Drake, Drake's line <clears throat> to Meek Mill when he says, you just got bodied by a singing nigga. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, Charlamagne says that, that he doesn't like, like, that aspect of Drake's game and, and um, that it's corny and that he wouldn't do an interview with him and whatever, um, like, on The Breakfast Club which is a dope show you guys should definitely watch that it's like i equated to to being like podcasts you know it's like shooting the shit type interviews uh, or uh conversations that are more raw and like less scripted than the normal shit that you you are used to seeing so check that out if you guys want to um so it was pretty cool and and uh charlamagne says that he he's like he said the same thing actually um that uh like that first drake response was uh it was all right it wasn't that great and then the but the back-to-back he says tough tune tough tune (laughs) um which that it is and uh definitely check those out um uh, so it'll be dope if Drake actually does the Breakfast Club now. Now that uh, they kind of seem to at least be in the transition of smoothing over their issues. Um, all right, so let's get into what this what this uh, story is about, um, or the origin of this short story audiobook that you guys are about to listen to, um, and then I'll break down what it means to me, or like kind of breaking down the story at the end in the outro like i normally do so i have a brief background in like real estate and mortgages from around the era that they are speaking about in the story uh like i said the story takes place in a lecture hall in a college or university and it's between a professor and a student um, that have pretty much like two different ideologies. Um, that somebody asks them if the Great Recession is going to be like on the midterm or the final. Um, I forget what it is. Uh, on some exam that's coming up. And then they get into uh, sort of a, an exchange or not really a debate, but a bit of an exchange. I, I guess you could call it a debate about who was at fault um, for the Great Recession. Which, for those of you that don't know, like the actual catalyst of it and at least in my opinion i know there's a lot of other uh, factors at play and a lot of things that were involved um, but it began with uh this like real estate boom that we had like before 2008 i was in real estate and mortgages uh for a few years um if you call it being in it but in and around it uh, from like 2002 to 2010 so i saw it like the escalation of it and then the drop of it in 2008 um uh, like the crash of it and then the aftermath of it for a couple years after that until i exited stage left and broke out from that world um so i have a little bit of of like that background and this story is not you know based on it's a fictional story it's not based on uh like an actual exchange like in the classroom or anything like that from when i was in college um but it has a lot of like background knowledge i guess and 
things and people that I was exposed to while I was in that world. And just like, I guess, like any other industry, you have, uh, you know, people that are trying to do the right thing by other people and, you know, you know, bending over backwards to to get them, you know, good interest rates and good mortgage loans and, you know, they're not shady and, you know, they're straight up and they're real with you and they want to, you know, they work hard at finding you the house that you're looking for and like stuff like that, you know, people that take their their job with like a sense of honor or nobility. Then you have snake oil salesmen that are just trying to make a buck that are like, oh, you want A? Uh, I'll, I'll give you B because B is more accessible and it'll be easier for me to sell you B and sell you on the idea that B is better than A um, so I can, you know, extract some money out of you and move on to the next one and do the same thing over and over. And they get into this routine of or this mindset of cutting corners and and, you know, just making money, like that being the goal as opposed to, you know, the helping people and uh, make the biggest investment of their of their lives in most cases and it's sad but whatever those that's like the spectrum right you have uh the good people looking out for people and then the bad people just looking to fuck you over and and make money off of you and like that's their primary goal then you have everybody else in between you know some people have a little bit uh, of each and whatever it's like any other business right uh, in the real estate market, there was a lot of the second type, a lot of people like getting into it to to extract money to um, at definitely other people's expenses, and you know, pre, you know, predatory lending is a term that uh, was popularized during that that time period, where people brokers would would exactly the way it sounds. Um, take part in predatory lending where they, you know, there was a lot of shady practices, you know, sprinkled throughout the entire industry. And, you know, they would do uh, shady shit uh, at times from, like, poor customer service to just, like, completely dodging people that they screwed over and um, uh, uh, an array of things. Uh, They're not going to get, like, like two into but just like generally speaking um it was a lot of shady shit going on in in that market which is why everything ultimately fucking imploded and this short story is kind of like the professor speaking to that um uh, or speaking to like the issue from the mentality of the people being more at fault uh, the people that were taking out mortgages, which a lot of them were also, by the way, there's blame to go on both sides. There were people, uh, consumers that were just being slick and saying, all right, you know, if I could buy one house and they're letting me buy two, I'm going to buy four. And, you know, just <clears throat> getting in way over their heads. And then when shit hit the fan, they couldn't pay for all fucking four houses. They lost two or three of them or maybe all four of them. And there were people like that that were like too greedy uh, with it from the consumer standpoint. And then you had, uh, like, from the the other ideology being argued by the student, um, which is one that I'm, um, like, more, like, there's merits on both sides of the arguments, um, but the one, one I'm more in line with is the point of view of the student, which, 
is more of a you know the consumer being greedy like that and stuff like that although it's wrong it's like a symptom of the actual issue which is the system allowing these shady practices to take place the system allowing for predatory lending um by having unchecked practices and you know unregulated uh little loopholes and stuff like that that were crazy exploited uh throughout the throughout the real estate market and it was just like like an interesting exchange of those two two uh ideologies so when i wrote the story it was meant to be uh an excerpt of a larger story which is yet to be written where i want to go like much more detail into the whole um real estate collapse and and uh the ins and outs of like the, the great recession similar to how the big short did with the the stock market crash um but in my opinion the real estate and not just my opinion it's like a popular opinion um the real estate crash and uh like bubble is what what fed and then ultimately created the the wall street crash um and i touch on that in this story um but yeah like the big short you know goes into um more like the the uh, stock market you know aspect of it lehman brothers and everything that happened there uh, if you guys haven't read that book by michael lewis it's a dope book called the big short so definitely check that out and um yeah so this large story that is yet to be written is gonna go it's gonna be like a big short version but for like the real estate and mortgage market that prefaced the stock market collapse and now this story this particular exchange is meant to be an excerpt from that that uh, larger story which again is yet to be written it's probably gonna be like a chapter in that book um down the line uh, it's an idea that i've had for for a pretty long time just haven't gotten it down i guess these are uh this short story is like the first step in that direction and that's pretty much it that's what the story is about i'm gonna play it for you guys now hopefully you guys enjoy uh, before i let you go listen to that i just want to remind you that i do have a questionnaire available uh, on my website for anyone who's into writing or anything creative at all or anything that you want to share with us it's a five question survey that is uh, pretty much you know asking about how you get through writer's block and just open-ended questions like that for you to share some of the shit that inspires you with us and with myself so i can learn from it and so that i can share with the listeners um and you know if something you say sparks a little bit of of inspiration in someone else why not share that information that's my outlook on that um we've had a a few people fill out the surveys in the past uh you can check those out in some of the free writing episodes um where i read them at the end of uh, the episode and i i will keep you completely anonymous if you request uh, me to which is an option on the actual on the actual form that you can fill out at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by following me on Twitter 
and Instagram at Spun Today by liking the Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Spun Today and signing up to the newsletter, which you can do on uh, on that Facebook page. Also, definitely rate and review the podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher. I would really appreciate that. That's what helps the podcast gain exposure and listenership, etc. Uh, so definitely do that. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher. And then if you can help out the podcast financially by shopping on Amazon, which you guys probably do already. Uh, but instead of going to Amazon.com, go to SpunToday.com and then click on the contact page. At the very top center of the contact page, there's a banner for Amazon, uh, which when you click on, takes you to Amazon.com. But just by taking that slight little detour to my website and then clicking on the Amazon banner, Amazon kicks me back a small percentage of your purchases. It does not increase your purchases at all, but they kick me back a small percentage just for driving traffic to their website from mine. And that would help support the podcast financially. And I would really appreciate that very much. And what else? Check out the YouTube page like I told you guys before. Uh, check out the promo for this story. If you're about to listen to this story, listen to that promo. I think I did a good job of, of summarizing it. And uh, let me know what you guys think. Also, all the podcasts will always be available on YouTube. And as well as on my website, spuntoday.com forward slash podcast. And also on Tumblr, spuntodaypodcast.tumblr.com, if that's what you're into. Now, without further ado, here is the audiobook Lecture Hall. Lecture Hall by Tony Ortiz, written June 27th, 2015. Will the Great Recession be on the midterm, Professor? Absolutely. And here's the type of essay I'm looking for, folks. Show the understanding that the catalyst was the burst of the tech bubble in the early 2000s. People began to search for safer investments, and they settled on real estate. In turn, home demands rise while supply falls. And what does that do to the price class? It drives it up, responded a student from the back of the lecture hall. Correct, whoever that was, responded the professor. It drives prices up which artificially inflates the home values. So what then? Houses across the nation are now worth more than ever before in recorded history. And here's where individual greed comes in. People owe less than what their homes are now artificially inflated to be worth. That spread between the value and what is owed is called equity. And what do they do? They can't leave well enough alone, no. They borrow against that equity. They buy other houses, cars, boats, luxury items that they don't need. Greed is good, huh? Not in this case. But professor, hold on, David. Let me finish this point first. As the spread continued to increase, some of these people took out second mortgages and lines of credit, using their homes as ATM machines. We were in the midst of the next bubble, folks. And most of us didn't see it. Values kept going up, skyrocketing in some regions. But we missed the forest for the trees. Then Wall Street, which was fueled by their own greed, created financial instruments known as mortgage-backed securities. 
Think of them as stocks or bonds that were made up of a collection of mortgages that were bundled up and sold by the share to the general public. The thing is that these mortgage-backed securities weren't just made up of mortgages that were in good standing. They'd also include these doomed-to-fail subprime mortgages. They bundled them up together and sold them to the world, infesting the globe. This leads me to my next point that your essays should cover. What exactly is the subprime mortgage market? Well, Wall Street wasn't satiated with the millions of dollars this market was generating. Nope, they wanted even more. Their greed needed to be fed. So the banks that you and I go to for a mortgage began to loosen up their guidelines for mortgage qualifications. This way, they'd have more mortgages on their books to feed Wall Street with. You no longer needed a 720 credit score, a 680 score would do. You didn't need 20% down payment plus closing costs. Just come up with 10% plus closing costs. If you build it, they will come. And so they, the borrowers, came. But why is that the consumer's fault? Blurted out a student from the back of the lecture hall. Because there's something called personal responsibility, that's why. Nobody can exercise that for you. As I was saying, after the banks lowered mortgage qualifying requirements and Wall Street successfully sold off those securities, they lowered requirements even more. Soon, you didn't need a down payment and closing costs weren't required either. They rolled up all of your costs into your mortgage loan. Can't pay for the appraisal out of pocket? Don't worry, we'll roll that cost in too. Some big banks like Countrywide which, to give you a bit of context, in 2006, Countrywide financed 20% of all mortgages in the United States at a value of about 3.5% of the United States GDP, as well as a handful of lesser-known fly-by-night banks that popped up to exploit, even offered up to 106% financing. I'll say that again. 106% financing. That means that in some cases, you were paid to take a mortgage. They paid you to buy a house. I shit you not. But we, the consumer, kept taking and taking and taking. Words to the wise, folks. If it seems too good to be true, it is. Questions? Comments? David raises his hand again. I have a question. Go ahead, David, said Professor Nackman. You say that consumer greed is at the root of this issue, right? Not just consumer greed, responded Professor Nackman, but greed in general. Bank greed, Wall Street greed, human greed. The blame goes all around. Well, I don't think I agree with you, Professor. Fair enough. Tell us why you don't, responded Professor Nackman, as he leaned on the front of his desk to listen. I guess greed does play into it, David continued. A general people wanting what they can't have, coupled with being told that they can now have all those things. But I wouldn't blame it solely on greed. There are absolutely other factors at play, young David just none as strong or as underlying as greed. That's just it. I don't think 
everyone involved is necessarily being greedy. There's plenty to say about predatory lending, about lack of regulation, about manipulation and exploitation of a weak system. David, if you're a minimum wage worker at the local supermarket, for example, you should have the common sense that you have no place purchasing a $400,000 home. And then on top of that, an additional $100,000 line of credit against that same home, which you use to buy a new car, a big screen TV, that's living beyond your means. That's exercising zero personal responsibility. But don't banks have a fiduciary responsibility to be truthful? Don't banks have personal responsibility not to fuck over their customers? Watch that tone. I'm sorry, Professor, it's frustrating. That mentality. My aunt, for example, came to this country 12 years ago. She worked 10 to 12 hour days, six days a week, making sure my cousins never wanted for clothes on their backs or food in their mouths. She even took me in for a year when my parents died in their accident. And she did it alone. But I guess she should have had the personal responsibility to pick a better husband, right? What's your point, David? The point is that she's a hard worker that scraped together her life savings of $10,000 to buy a house. She put all her eggs in one basket because that's all her local mortgage broker told her she needed. She would finally be able to fulfill the American dream for her and her family. He told her that her mortgage would be even less than what she was currently paying for rent because of an interest rate special he could get her for being a first-time homebuyer and for being a single, hard-working Latina woman. He even told her that he could get her a line of credit for a new car, too. But she didn't bite on that one. She got the house with only 10000 down on the sales contract. Closing costs were rolled into her new loan. He didn't tell her, however, about the several hundred dollars more per month that she would have to pay for PMI, private mortgage insurance, because she didn't make a down payment of 20%. And of course, didn't mention the taxes and insurance because everyone, including first-time homebuyers, should know that, right? Instead, he misleads her by quoting only the principal and interest payment and conveniently leaving out the rest. But it's okay. She's hardworking and knew things couldn't just go 100% smooth. Fine. She picked up a part-time job on Sundays to make ends meet. In her mind, working seven days a week is worth her children having a taste of the American dream. You want to know what he didn't tell her, though? What's that? That the type of loan he gave her was a six-month arm. She had an introductory teaser rate, meaning her interest rate and mortgage payment was locked in for only six months. Thereafter, it would more than double. She went back to the broker, thinking, surely this has been some kind of mistake. He told her he'd look into it strung her along, avoiding her calls for over two weeks. After that, when she showed up at his office again, he told her there was nothing he could do except refinance her into a 30-year fixed rate loan, but it would cost her another 10000 in closing costs, and her total monthly payment would go down by only about $150. Long story short, the bank foreclosed and she lost the house. She lost it all. Now she's back in the Dominican Republic with her two kids. And her story is far from unique, by the way. What happened to the bank having fiduciary responsibility to their customers? What happened to walking into the biggest investment of your life and not having to worry about snake oil salesmen? 
Let me ask you something, David. What happened to your aunt's personal responsibility? What happened to your aunt knowing the limits of what she could afford? Folks, there are bad people out there. They'll always be there. We can't nerf the world in order to shield the rest of us from them. That's not how we win. We win by being accountable for our actions. For knowing what we're getting ourselves into. You're being disingenuous, Professor. Excuse me? And unrealistic, too. What you're saying makes sense for us, the younger generation. Those of us lucky enough to be learning this stuff in college. But what about my aunt? What about the immigrants that are preyed upon? What about the hardworking Americans, even, that left school because they chose to nobly put their family's needs before their own and went to work in order to provide for them? They obviously don't have the same information. So fuck them. Survival of the fittest, basically. Watch your language in my classroom. Sorry. I guess I just don't know any better. But you know what, Professor? It shouldn't be okay to screw over the less fortunate and squeeze out every last dime out of them just because you can. And what's worse is that they continue to do so without repercussion. That's the issue. You say that bad people will exist. Agreed. But we shouldn't have to write that off as the cost of doing business. Assholes need to be checked. Bad business practices regulated. In a direct and unilateral way. Attacking the root of the issue instead of hacking away at the symptomatic branches, to paraphrase Thoreau. Big government and regulation stifles progress and ingenuity. (sighs) Does it always? Can it also allow progress and ingenuity to be free to thrive without corporate special interest intervention like the New Deal did with Social Security and other programs during the Great Depression? In the long run, the invisible hand prevails and the markets balance themselves out. So long as people remain content with knowing that ditch diggers and maids can't buy mansions. I agree with personal responsibility to a degree. But the underlying issue with that is that everyone can't know everything. The maid that walks into a bank with her life savings shouldn't leave thinking she has a home and find out six months later that she barely has a shirt on her back. And her children shouldn't have to decide between either breakfast or lunch because some unregulated banker wanted to add a diving board to the pool at his family's summer home. Tread lightly on that regulation slippery slope that you're on, David. You may regret it in the future. Your generation doesn't get to tell ours what to do anymore. Okay, that's enough, said Professor Nackman. And it starts here, with this conversation. With doing what we can to help shift the collective consciousness into a space where we don't have a pass-the-buck mob mentality where personal responsibility is balanced with unilateral repercussions. A dash of good old common sense could go a long way. Bell rings. Class ends. Alright guys, that is the episode. Um, Actually not the episode, that's the audiobook portion of the episode let me know what you guys think what did you think of the story i'm going to tell you guys what i thought of the story and then you can match it up to what you think of the story and realize that you're wrong and i'm right no i'm joking everybody gets different shit from 
from different things, right? So here's what I got from this story. The two main characters of the story being the professor and the student that get into the exchange or have generally two different ideologies, two different mentalities, two different approaches to the same problem. And the professor seems to have more of a, like a black and white, this is the issue, this is why it's an issue type of, type of outlook on it, <clears throat> which in a lot of cases, like I mentioned in the intro, has its merits. Um, and the student has more, more of a nuanced kind of outlook on the situation where he's not discounting all the other factors that are definitely at, at play, which the professor acknowledges, but kind of discounts it faster than anything else and saying, kind of putting more weight on if people individually would be less greedy, then all this shit would go away. And I think the student is a bit more realistic in that he understands that the greed is going to be there, but just taking that out of the equation is not going to change the underlying issue, which is the fact that the foundation or the system allows this type of of behavior to happen. Um, it's set up in a way where it, it if this happens, it's 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 not a shock, it's not a surprise because the system is set up that in a way where this can happen. So if you allow the possibility of it, then when it happens, you can't bitch about it kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so they're coming from those two backgrounds. The professor spits some knowledge with, uh, with, um, a lot of stats, which are, um, by the way, fact-checked by myself before writing this stuff. So, you know, feel free to do your own fact-checking, but trust that I did it. I'm not just spitting on numbers, like in terms of where I say that in 2006, Countrywide financed 20% of all mortgages in the United States at a value of about 3.5% of the United States GDP, which is fucking sick. Like a sick amount of fucking mortgages. Um, a sick amount of anything. Fucking, when, you, when you're breaking into the percentages of GDP of the United States, it's like you're talking big dog shit right there. And, um, yeah, so I fact-check a lot of that stuff. You know, what kind of Mickey Mouse operation you think I'm running here at the, uh, Spun Today podcast? Um, also, like, the, uh, like, the credit score requirements and, like, stuff like that that I mentioned. That's just from being in real estate and, and mortgages and, and the knowledge that I derived from, from being in that, in that world, in that realm. And the 106% financing and like all that type of shit it's all uh that I bring with me from uh that era uh so yeah the professor <clears throat> spits out a lot of that knowledge and um which is important very important to the story what else the the kid is coming back coming from he's he's a little bit defensive he can he has something that the professor doesn't have which is the personal touch or uh, the personal aspect of the story of being of knowing someone, namely his aunt, who was a victim of predatory lending, and it kind of like hit close to home. So he's a bit more, more uh, skeptical, skeptical about like the whole system and everything that that was going on. 
whereas the professor seemingly is like reading about the story from a textbook and this kid is like living it firsthand through his aunt and his experiences with her um he also lost his his parents in an accident which i didn't get into detail about in the story um i did mention it in the in the um in that promo that i mentioned that i did which hopefully you guys listened to me and went back to listen to if you haven't already um because that kind of gives a little bit of like character depth and and context to, to his character he lost his parents in like a, a car accident at a young age it was um I guess you could estimate it about maybe junior year, sophomore year, junior year in high school. Uh, Because then he moved in with his aunt. He had to leave, like, his old neighborhood and stuff like that. Moved in with his aunt for about a year until she wound up losing the house. And now he's in college. So um, that's pretty much the timeline with that. And he is kind of like one of those go-hard students that you know gets good grades in every class and he you know he mentions uh, a quote from from Thoreau uh which is um I paraphrase it in the story but the actual quote I'm trying to think of is which is for every thousand hacking at the leaves of evil there's one striking at the root that was uh, Henry Thoreau. So he, uh, the student is, like I was saying, like one of those go-hard students that gets good grades in every classroom and, you know, brings in, he's obviously taking some sort of like philosophy course um, during the semester. And he's pulling like the information from there into his, you know, personal uh, like development of you know you're in college you're developing you're learning new shit being exposed to new ideas and you know he's taking in the stuff that resonates with him and uh namely being that type of uh that uh henry thoreau quote and you know bringing it into this uh economics class that he's in and what else the professor also seems to be a bit stubborn kind of like this is what it is this is the answer to this question and you're wrong kind of thing um he kind of seems open to to the exchange a little bit but in a resistant kind of way and i think he's being like a little like pc when it comes to oh yeah tell us why tell us what you think just you know from that i'm the professor so i can i have to let them think that they have a choice kind of thing like to the students and yeah but he's not he's really like set in his ways in my opinion and then the the kid on the other end of the spectrum he's more uh he has like this grandiose type of um you know single-handedly gonna change the world type of mentality that a lot of uh high school and college kids have and um where their heart is in the right place, but uh, it's a touch unrealistic at the same time. But the story rounds out, rounds off with pointing out that you need that kind of, which I agree with, you need that kind of of mentality to begin shifting 
the collective consciousness of a generation in the right direction. And it goes to something that I've spoken about in the past in other episodes where it's to enact that type of change or any type of uh, significant change, it's going to have to be with incremental from our vantage point, it's going to be with incremental little baby steps like this, like beginning with conversations like this, beginning with podcasts, beginning with, with, uh, exposure to these new ideas and just slightly, you know, changing course by a degree or two. And then in the long run, we're going to see the benefits of taking those brave, albeit small steps towards that direction that's what i got from the story oh and by the way a little tidbit a little background the name of the professor professor knackman uh is actually based on a the professor that the name is based on has nothing to do with how the professor was he was actually a science uh, teacher in high school that i had um but it was um the name of a professor or a teacher that I had in high school where I met my now fiance actually. Just thought that was funny. I was thinking of a teacher name and, you know, why not use that one? He was a cool dude though, the real one. This guy in the story was a douche. And yeah, folks, that's pretty much it. That's what I thought of the story. Let me know what you think of the story. <clears throat> By going to spuntoday.com forward slash short stories forward slash lecture hall. And just writing in the comment section, tell me what you think. Tell me what your take on the story was. Or email me at spuntoday at gmail.com or by filling out my contact sheet at on the contact page of the spuntoday.com website. Uh, like I mentioned before, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so in several ways by rate, rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. That would be the best way, uh, which I would appreciate the most. Also, if you want to support financially, do your shopping on Amazon by clicking on the Amazon banner on my website, on the contact page of my website, and it'll take you over to Amazon and you do your shopping like normal. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon kicks me back a percentage for driving traffic to their website. You can also check out some of my photography at created, created, C-R-A-T-E-D, created.com forward slash spun today. And where you can actually order posters and prints and like frames and shit like that of any of the pictures that you might like. Um, I actually took some pictures at the beach yesterday and um, I'm going to post those onto the website, which you guys can view and like download for free or whatever on uh, spuntoday.com forward slash photography. If you just want like the digital copies. Um, but yeah, if you want like prints and stuff like that of any of them, you can check them out on that other website created um what else fill out that questionnaire and i will read your responses on the next free writing episode of the, po- of the podcast uh that's the questionnaire located at spontane.com forward slash questionnaire and aside from that listen to the podcast on itunes stitcher you can listen to it on uh, youtube or on tumblr as well and follow me on twitter at spontane or on instagram at spontane and like the Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash spun today. As always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.